Hello, friend. I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast season three. This season, we're taking time to better understand who the women in the New Testament are and their experiences. We will learn more of them, their story, and how Jesus Christ tutored their lives. We will learn more about how much Jesus Christ loves women. For the first 90 days of this season, you can also listen to a second weekly episode. We will be discussing the Book of Mormon. If you aren't aware of the Book of Mormon study group, click out onto the show notes or onto my website, todayiamenough.com, and you can sign up. We are reading the Book of Mormon from January 1st to March 31st. Each week, I will share my thoughts on the weekly reading and what I take away from it. All right. Welcome this week. I am behind this week. I'm trying to get the episodes out Thursday. This is the first time I've ever tried to juggle doing two podcast episodes in one week. So thanks for being patient with me. My kids have been off school for the last two weeks. I've been like half of them have been at least. And so it's been uh, tricky to try and record with them home. I don't have a dedicated space. Obviously, my video is a little. Um, we're just in our bonus room today. So thanks for being here. We are studying 2 Nephi 30 through Mosiah 4. And I'm excited about this. There's a lot of really great things that go on in these chapters, and it's so much to cover. I feel like it's a ton to cover. So we are going to just start in um, 1 Nephi or 2 Nephi. Did I say 1 Nephi before? 2 Nephi 30 to Mosiah 4. Uh, let's see. We are going to turn to verse 1 of chapter 33. So it says, And now I, Nephi, cannot write all the things which are taught among my people. Neither am I mighty in writing like unto speaking. For when a man speaketh by the power of the Holy Ghost, and the power of the Holy Ghost carrieth it unto the hearts of the children of men. I love this reminder from Nephi. We don't have to be great people. We don't have to be great in speaking or writing or sharing or being missionaries. We just need to speak with the power of the Holy Ghost. And when we do that, we... Others will be taught by the power of the Holy Ghost. I think that's important to remember, like if you're a teacher at church, that it's really the spirit that teaches and you are just a vessel to help other people feel of that spirit that day. I just, I think the spirit can speak and we listen and that is when we are taught. It is up to us while we're reading the scriptures, while we're attending church, while we're attending the temple, when we're praying, etc., to allow the spirit to live in such a way that the spirit can also teach us. So it's not up to anyone else to teach us. It's not the Relief Society teacher or the Sunday school teacher. Hopefully they're teaching in a way that brings the spirit and hopefully we're prepared to accept that spirit and learn from it. So that's one thing I love uh, from those last few chapters in second Nephi. And I also love verses three and four. I'm just going to read these and I want you to think about who these verses bring to mind for you. Is it yourself or is it a family member? Is it a child? He says, but I Nephi have written what I have written and I esteem it as of great worth and especially unto my people where I pray continually for them by day and mine eyes water my pillow by night because of them. And I cry unto my God in faith, and I know that he will hear my cry. 
And I know that the Lord God will consecrate my prayers for the gain of my people. And the words which I have written in weakness will be made strong unto them. For it persuadeth them to do good. It maketh known unto them of their fathers. And it speaketh of Jesus and persuadeth them to believe in him and to endure to the end, which is life eternal. So I love, I just love this visualization that I feel like Nephi, we can connect with Nephi, right? I pray continually for them by day. Mine eyes water their pillow by night because of them. I cry unto God in faith and know that he will hear my cry. I love that he knows that God will hear his cry. And I also love the beginning of verse four. And I know that the Lord God will consecrate my prayer for the gain of my people. So I, I just appreciate his testimony that he will consecrate our prayers for the gain of his people. He will consecrate my prayer and your prayer for the gain of my people and your people. So when we're praying with all of our mind and strength and truly paying attention to the prayer that we're praying, allowing that spirit to work within us and pouring our hearts out and really seeking for revelation and understanding and help, And when we're pleading a cause for other people, he hears us and he, he hears us and will do all he can to answer. He will consecrate our prayers and for the gain of other people. I think it's hard because people have their choice, right? It's important to remember that the plan of salvation enables everyone to choose for themselves. So we might not have the opportunity to see someone come back to Christ or gain a stronger testimony in this life or be healed or whatever it might be. But it's important to remember that through Christ, nothing is impossible and we can gain a greater relationship with our savior because the people of Nephi eventually, like he's already seen it. He knows, he knows the outcome, but he still wanted to plead for their cause. Okay, we're going to talk about Jacob. And Jacob, if you read the title, the brother of Nephi, I we're going to get into it in a minute, but I love this genealogy line that we get. I just think it's so fun. So Jacob is the brother of Nephi. And he starts off and his heart is heavy. He, him and Joseph, his brother, are supposed to persuade the men to believe in Christ and keep his commandments. And it's hard because they don't really want to. So the people love Nephi and that's how it starts out. The people love Nephi and they, they want to name all their Kings Nephi because Nephi is so great. And he worked side by side with them and he loved them in verse chapter one, verse 15. Let's see. And the, um, So in verse 15, it talks about, and it came to pass that the people of Nephi under the reign of the second king began to grow hard in their hearts and indulge themselves in somewhat of wicked practices, such as like unto David of old, desiring more wives and concubines and also Solomon, his son. So the Nephi dies. If you didn't read that, spoiler, Nephi dies and the people begin to be hard in their hearts. And Jacob and Joseph are tasked by the Lord in teaching them to do good and to repent. And this is really, really hard for Jacob. He talks about how much he doesn't want to do this, but that he has to. 
And even before this, though, in chapter in chapter two, it goes more into um, Jacob really telling them the terrible things that they're doing. But in verse in chapter one, verses seven and eight, just before Nephi dies, they say, "Wherefore we labor diligently among the people that we might persuade them to come unto Christ and partake of the goodness of Christ, of God." that they might enter into his rest, lest by any means he should swear of wrath that they should not enter in, as in the pro, um, provocation of the days of temptation, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Wherefore, we would to God that we could persuade all men not to rebel against God, to provoke him to anger, but that all men would believe in Christ and view his death and suffer his cross and bear the shame of the world. Wherefore, Jacob, Take it upon me to fulfill the commandments of my brother Nephi. So he knows that he, they've been trying to teach the people and they labored diligently and they wanted to provoke um, him that all men would believe in Christ and view his death and suffer and understand what Christ did. But these people did not care. They did not want to. Nephi, or excuse me, Jacob begins to teach that they need to repent. And he says, I have to be really forward. I have to be plain with you. And my words will be of plainness because you need to understand exactly what you're doing wrong. And he's talking about hope in Christ and that they need to come into Christ and that the chastity of women is a wonderful thing and being pure in heart. And it's just kind of, it's sad because Jacob is having to really like get down on all on all of them. And there's one verse, let me see. Um, if I can find it. But 23 of verse of chapter two. It says, But the word of God burdened me because of my of your grosser crimes. For behold, thus saith the Lord, this people begin to wax in iniquity. They understand not the scriptures, for they seek to excuse themselves in committing whoredoms because of the things which were written concerning David and Solomon, his son. They are making excuses to be able to do what they want to do and saying, well, David and Solomon did it, so it's fine. We can have concubines and multiple wives. It's not a big deal. But the prophet of God is telling them that it's a big deal and that they should stop justifying it. And it's just good to take a step back in time and say, what am I justifying? What am I doing that I'm justifying that really I shouldn't be doing? What's my favorite sin that I really need to get rid of? Because we all kind of have that, that thing that gets us and that's really hard. And so I think it's important to, to think about that and to really consider it. In chapter three, verses one and two, it says, but behold, I Jacob would speak unto you that are pure in heart. Look unto God with firmness of mind and pray unto him with exceeding faith. And he will console you in your afflictions and he will plead your cause and send down justice upon those who seek your destruction. Oh, all ye that are pure in heart, lift up your head and receive the pleasing word of God and feast upon his love for ye may, if your minds are firm forever. I just, I love his ability to write and to really help us understand like it's really simple pray have faith console the afflicted which is one of the covenants that we take when we're baptized plead your cause and 
send down justice upon those who seek your destruction. That's the promise that he will be able to do. Lift up your heads, receive the pleasing word from God. Feast on his love. Like there's so, there's so many amazing promises for those who are striving to keep the commandments. And he goes on in chapter four, wherefore, this is verse 10, wherefore, brethren, seek not to console the Lord, but to take counsel from his hand. For behold, ye yourselves know that he counseleth in wisdom and in justice and in great mercy over all his works. Wherefore, beloved brethren, be reconciled unto him through the atonement of Christ, his only begotten son, that ye may obtain a resurrection according to the power of the resurrection, which is in Christ and be presented as the first fruits of Christ unto God. Have faith and obtain a good hope of glory in him before he manifested himself in the flesh. I seek not to counsel the Lord, but to take counsel from his hand. He has wisdom and justice and mercy. And there's this atonement he's given us and this resurrection he's given us. Having faith, obtain a good hope. Seek not to counsel the Lord. I think that's a really, really difficult sometimes. And it's so important. There are hard lessons that we get to learn in this life. And sometimes it's when we take the counsel from his hand. When we follow him, sometimes that's the most difficult option that we seem to be able to find, right? But that is usually where growth and faith and our relationship with Christ increases and becomes beautiful. Okay. Jacob five, the infamous Jacob five. I'm actually not going to talk about that allegory of the olive tree. There is a lot to unpack in there. I do want to touch on something though, because for the longest time I'm like, Oh, Jacob, Jacob, you guys chapter five, in the little thing, first thing it says is Jacob quotes Zenus. Uh, and then chapter one or verse, yeah, chapter five, verse one. Behold, my brethren, do you not remember to have read the words of the prophet Zenus, which he spake unto the house of Israel, saying, This isn't Jacob talking this whole time. This is Jacob five is Zenus. And I just love finding little gems like that where we hear from other prophets whose words are gone and lost. And we just have this little section where we get to know more about Zenus. And I think it's fun. Okay, so we are actually, there's so much in Jacob. I actually really like the book of Jacob. We are going to skip to Enos. I love Enos. So Enos is one of my very favorite scripture chapters in the Book of Mormon. And Enos is the son of Jacob. So he is Nephi's nephew, if we want to keep track. So I have always loved this story. And I just, I love that he went and he took time and found a quiet place to pray and to find, to gain a remission of his sins. And I love that he tells us it's in um, verse two, that he has a wrestle which I had before God, before I received a remission of my sins. If you have not ever read the book Worth the Wrestle by Sherry Du, I highly recommend it. And I think I, I was drawn to it because of this, that Enos had a wrestle with God. 
And I love that he had a wrestle with God. He tells us about during this wrestle that he heard my father speak concerning the eternal life and joy of the saints. And it sunk deep into my heart. Enos received a remission of his sins after praying all day and all night and continuously praying. And it says in verse five, and there came a voice unto me saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee and thou shalt be blessed. And I don't know if it was a literal voice or the voice of the spirit speaking within him. And I love that the next thing we hear is the the next thing he asks is, well, Enos knew that God could not lie. So he, his guilt was gone. And he asks, how is it done? And the Lord says, because of thy faith in Christ, whom thou hast never before heard nor seen and many years pass away before he shall manifest himself in the flesh. Wherefore go thy, go to thy faith hath made thee whole. I just think it's beautiful that he didn't really understand how it was going to work, right? He receives this remission of sin after praying and he doesn't understand how it's possible. And he is told that because of Jesus Christ and because of his own faith, then as we go on, Enos wants everyone to have this opportunity to be forgiven and begins to pray for his people. That's his next pleading is for his people. So in verse uh, 15 and 17, 15 says, Wherefore, I, knowing that the Lord God was able to preserve our records, I cried unto him continually, for he had said unto me, Whatsoever thing ye shall ask in faith, believing that ye shall receive in the name of Christ, ye shall receive it. And I think, I, I believe this is true. And sometimes our path is different than what we're asking for. And so I think sometimes we're like, well, I didn't receive X, Y, Z when I prayed for it. I think, I think it has to align with the Lord's will. And when it aligns with the Lord's will, then it will happen. Verse 17 says, and I, Enos, knew it would be according to the covenant, which he had made. Wherefore, my soul did rest. Immediately. (laughs) As I read verse 17, we are reminded that it is our covenants that we are, because of our covenants, we're able to find rest. President Nelson, in this last general conference, October 2022, he talked about this. That was his plea to us was to be able to find rest, to overcome the world and find rest. If you have not re-listened to that talk, I would encourage you to do that. The talk is listed in my show notes. And President Nelson teaches us that when we make covenants with the Lord and then keep them, we will find rest. And the rest that he says, he is, let's see, he actually says rest is the meaning, meet rest, meaning relief and peace. So we can find relief and peace in keeping our covenants. And I love that it's reiterated right here in the scriptures too. And I, Enos, knew it would be according to the covenant which he had made, wherefore my soul did rest. President Nelson teaches us when we make covenants with the Lord and keep them, that we will find rest. And I just think that amid trials and tribulations and things that are hard when we're just like feeling rest restless, right? <laughs> that instead of having anxiety or chaos within ourselves and within our lives, we can find 
that relief and that peace, but we have to allow the savior into our lives and allow his atonement to work within us and to figure out how to find that peace like Enos did and let the guilt be swept away from our lives. And when we can do that, we can truly find this rest. Okay. So we're going to do a little history lesson. (laughs) Okay. So we have Nephi who gave the plates to Jacob, his brother who gave the plates to Jacob, gave them to Enos. And then Enos gives them to Jerem. And then Jerem, we're not really going to talk about the things that they talked about, but then Jerem gives them to his son, Omni. So Omni is like the grandson of Enos, right? Yeah. Grandson of Enos. And then Omni gives them to his son, Amaron. And Amaron gives them to his brother, Chemish. Okay. So we're like a brother now instead of a son. And then Chemish gives them to his son, Abinadam. And Abinadam gives them to his son, Amalekai. Do you see how that worked? So Amalekai is like the nephew, like a great, great nephew of Jerem. And then um, Amalekai ends up giving them to King Mosiah. And he is the one that actually writes most of the book of Omni. And Amalekai is. And he even says, behold, I, Amalekai, was born in the days of Mosiah and have lived to see his death. And Benjamin, his son, reigneth in his stead. So um, Amalekai wasn't born when King Benjamin was alive, but when Mosiah was the king. And it's in Omni that we talk about how that there was a people and they were um, in verse 13, like halfway through. And it says, and they were admonished continually by the word of God. And they were led by the power of his arm through the wilderness until they came down into the land, which was called the land of Zarahemla. And the people discovered a people who were called the people of Zarahemla. And now there is a great rejoicing among the people of Zarahemla. And also Zarahemla did rejoice exceedingly because the Lord has sent people of Mosiah with the plates of brass, which contained the record of the Jews. And it came to pass that Mosiah discovered that the people of Zarahemla came out of Jerusalem at the time of Zedekiah, king of Judah, and was carried away captive into Babylon. And then um, in the next few, it's going to be next week that we talk about it, but they are going to go look for some of those people in the land of Zarahemla. So that's where we first hear about them as an Omni. And I just think it's like a fun little just to see how those plates came. But Omni lets us know that these plates are full. and so. They're done. That's the end of the small plates. Um, Words of Mormon, of course, is Mormon from the end of the Book of Mormon. Uh, Mormon Moroni, who interjects every once in a while and likes us to just gives a little narrative and a little he talks about putting the plates together and finding those. And it's, it's kind of neat. And I just want to read verse seven. It says, and I do for this for a wise purpose, for thus it whispereth me according to the working of the spirit of the Lord, which is in me. And now I do not know all the things, but the Lord knoweth all things which are to come. Wherefore he worketh in me to do according to his will. And I think that's what happens when we let the Lord, when we turn our life over to the Lord is we realize the Lord knows all things and that he works in us according to his will and his need. And 
we can see miracles unfold. And sometimes it takes a long time to see those, but I, I just think that's a great little lesson that we get to learn from Mormon in the middle of all these. All right. So we're going to talk about Mosiah for a few minutes. (laughs) Um, so I love that Mosiah starts, it's King Benjamin and his teachings. And first we learned that Mosiah taught his sons in the language, it says in the language of his father. And he taught him the prophecies the King Benjamin did and the teachings. And it's the, it just reminded me the same way that Nephi started his book. And even Enos in remembering the words of his father and how important it is to make sure that we are sharing our testimonies and our beliefs with our kids and really understanding how we can make sure that they, that they know that and they hear that. So they build this tower because there's so many people that want to listen to King Benjamin and it's, they can't all see him. So they build a tower so King Benjamin can go and talk loudly and they can all hear him. But the problem is they can't all hear him. There are so many people that they still couldn't hear him. And he had what he decided to do was have someone within the walls write down. Um, He began to speak and they couldn't hear him. So let's see, because of the greatness of the multitude, therefore he caused that the words which he spake should be written and sent forth among those who were not under the sound of his voice, that they might also receive his word. Immediately, I was like, it's general conference back in Mosiah's time. You're right. Like a long, long time ago, if you didn't have access to radio or TV was unavailable to you, then the only way to hear a conference, and especially on the other side of the world, the members that were not in the United States, the only way for them to hear general conference was through the church magazine and written word, right? I just think it's so neat that there was this little snippet of general conference with King Benjamin as the prophet and wanting to teach the people. And so many people wanted to hear And I love that they just made it work and they found a way. And King Benjamin tells his people how to come unto Christ. And he testifies of Jesus Christ and the life that he would live. And one thing that I like, we're just going to kind of jump around. And Mosiah 3, 14 through 17, he talks about how that little children are they can't sin. And he said that they are blessed for behold as an Adam or by nature, they fall. Even so the blood of Christ atoneth for their sin. And moreover, I say unto you that there shall be no other name given nor any other way, nor means whereby salvation can come unto the children of men only in and through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 18, And if the infant perisheth not that dieth in his infancy, but men drink damnation in their own souls, except they humble themselves and become the little children and believe that the salvation was and is and is to come through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. So there's some, I think, verse 15 too, that talks more about it. But he talks about um, that little children cannot sin. They do not need to be saved and they get to live 
with their Savior. There's no reason that we need to do infant baptisms. So we, he also is teaching us, though, that they can't sin, and we need to be more pure in heart like little children. And Mosiah 3.19, super known verse, for the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticing of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord and becometh as a child submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child does submit to his father. I love the part where it says that unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, naturally we're not going to listen to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to take that time to yield to those enticings so that we can know what they are and hear them and be able to know where we can improve and how to be submissive and how to be humble and how to be patient and how to be full of love when naturally we're not always wanting to do those things. So in verse 20, the very next verse, and moreover, I say unto you that the time shall come when the knowledge of the Savior shall spread throughout every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. As I read that, I literally wrote the words now and gathering. This is the gathering of Israel. And this is President Nelson has reiterated over and over that this is the most important work anyone could be doing on the earth today. And so I love that we get to be a part of this fulfilling the scriptures and watching it happen firsthand. All right, let's go to chapter four. We're going to be looking at verses nine and 10. And I just love that King Benjamin is teaching about the power of God and patience and long suffering and the atonement and truth and receiving salvation. And verse nine and 10, these two verses um, are two that just really stood out to me. Believe in God, believe that he is, and that he created all things, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that he has all wisdom and all power, both in heaven and in earth. Believe that man doth not com- comprehend all the things which the Lord can comprehend. And again, believe that ye must repent of your sins and forsake them and humble yourselves before God and ask in sincerity of heart that he would forgive you. And now, if ye believe all these things, see that ye do them. I just, I love that just believe. And if you believe, then do them. President Nelson taught a couple conferences ago, I think it was 2019, that we don't have to have like a knowledge or even a full belief. We can just have a desire to believe. And that's enough. Like feed off of that, feed that seed that has a desire to believe. But I love that he says, believe and then repent, forsake, humble yourselves, ask. And when you do those things, you'll be forgiven. That's what it is. Ask for forgiveness and he would forgive you. And all you have to do is do it. Just just believe and seek after him. Life is really about the Sunday school answers. It really is. Because if we're praying and reading our scriptures and going to the temple, that's feeding our seed of faith and our desires and our hopes and our beliefs. And when we can feed those parts of our spirit, things will begin to grow and change within us. And as we seek for good, 
in our leaders and our prophet, we will find what we seek. Okay, so verses 11 and 12 tell us that we need to continually, what we need to do to continually live with him again. And uh, I love this part, even so I would that you should remember and always retain a remission of, of a remembrance of the greatest God of your own nothingness and his goodness and long suffering towards you. Humble yourselves, even in the depths of humility, calling on the name of the Lord daily, standing steadfastly in faith to overcome and be filled with the love of God and always retain so a remission of your sins. So continually repenting that daily repentance, that daily prayer, calling on the Lord and being filled with the love of God, just seeking opportunities to love other people. All right. And let's go to verse 26. And let's see. And well, 27. And see that all these things are done in wisdom and order. For it is not requisite that a man should run faster than he has strength. And again, it is expedient that he should be diligent and thereby he might win the prize. Therefore, all things must be done in order. And the verse before 26, it's just kind of a longer verse, but it talks about uh, every man according to that which he hath, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, administering to the relief, both spiritually and temporally according to their wants. But then do all things in wisdom and order. I think it's interesting, wisdom and order, because I think oftentimes we're just like, oh yeah, like I can make a better decision, but also making sure like, that there's some order to it because I think we can fit into a lot more into our day if we were just more willing to structure our time differently. And when we structure our time differently and utilize all the time that we're given, we are better able to do the work of the Lord, but we also can't run faster than we should, right? Then we have strength. We have to we have to have wisdom in the strength that we have and where we can give and what we should give up and what's worth our time and what's not. Uh, it's it's just important. We need to take care of ourselves and we need to take care of others, but we have to make sure we're doing both. And then Mosiah 4 ends, but this much I can tell you that if you do not watch yourselves and your thoughts and your words and your deeds and observe the commandments of God, and continue in the faith of what ye have heard concerning the coming of the Lord, even unto the end of your lives, ye must perish. And now, man, and now, O oh man, remember and perish not. Those are some of the last words of King Benjamin. Watch yourselves and your thoughts and your words and your deeds and observe the commandments and continue in faith. Even to the end of your lives that you must not perish. I love this. And now, oh man, remember and perish not. He is rooting for us. He is rooting for you and he is rooting for me. And I know that as we are striving to do these things in our life and really implement the words of the scriptures, but also our current prophets and apostles and become closer to our savior and create that relationship that our testimonies will grow, that that's a way to feed those spirits and feed those seeds of faith and i'm i just think it's great i have loved these words i'm excited to read more of mosiah and king mosiah and his teachings and 
Next week is the beginning of Ammon's story, and so there's lots of good things coming. Next week's reading is Mosiah 5 through Mosiah 23. So I will see you next week, hopefully Thursday, but if not, (laughs) know that I'm coming, I promise. So thanks for watching and listening.